to the AFR Ratings Podcast Round 24 Rep. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. Final home and away game of this season for you, and you did Port Adelaide and Richmond at Adelaide Oval. Uh, the Tigers were quite competitive for most of the game, with Port Adelaide finishing the stronger team late. Yeah, funny old contest. Um, kind of glad it was a close game up until the end, but it certainly wasn't a skillful one. <laughs> I think Port Adelaide had, um, had kind of put the cue in the rack and they were you know, getting ready for finals, but obviously still wanted that win just to come in with a bit of momentum. And Richmond, meanwhile, yeah, blooding a ton of youngsters just to see what the future could hold. And very impressive. I, I think um, as a Richmond supporter myself, I was a little bit worried about um, you know, the list demographic and where they were sitting because you know, half of their squad are premiership players who were nearing the end and the other half are you know kids who've played 10 games or less so I wasn't really sure how that overlap was going to work but we we saw some really impressive performances um I mean Tyler Young down back was great Sam Banks hit the scoreboard Tom Brown I mean in his first game um looks like an absolute winner and and in person he's he's already built to kind of be a pretty competitive beast uh and then I guess the the best of them all James Trezai's the the mid-season recruit who's come from absolutely nowhere um, was a star off half back. So, um, yeah, that, they've certainly got some answers, Richmond, if they want to, um, you know, try and fast track this rebuild. The only issue, I guess, is up forward where, um, you know, Tom Lynch is hopeful to be back next year, obviously, but how do they feel the loss of a Jack Rewalt? Jacob Bauer wasn't overly impressive and, and Samson Ryan's been playing in the VFL. So they'll mull over that in the off season. And, and as we know, Richmond can be a bit of a destination club at times. So, who knows what kind of names they could pull through the door to try and yeah get back on track. Even though the Tigers are going to miss finals, I, I completely agree that that today showed what the future is for them. Yeah, 100%. I, I think um, they're not going to fall dramatically off a cliff. Like, um, yeah, there's a couple of guys um, like you've lost Stones and your Grimes who are um, you know into their 30s now, but a lot of their, their senior guys are around 27, so they're still kind of pushing towards that mark. Obviously, Taranto and Hopper in the middle have been good recruits, but still probably one of the weaker midfield groups. Uh, I didn't mention Thompson Dow, who looks excellent in the yep. guts, uh, and maybe he can fill that third role. So, yeah, there's some really good prospects in there. Um, it obviously isn't a side that can contend anytime soon, but I think there's certainly a good foundation to, to start what is a new era at Tigerland with, with Damien Hardwick going and Jack Rewa and Trent Cotchin out the door. So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed with them today. And then on the flip side, Port Adelaide, there wasn't too much to report from you know what they put out there. They got the job done in the end, uh, which they've done the last couple of weeks, really. That they, they've won ugly, which you, you kind of need to do, I guess, when you're heading into a finals campaign. You, you just show that you can get it done. And um, I still think of the top four sides as heading in in terms of what we've seen across the season, but probably have yeah the better matchup in Brisbane. Even uh, even though the Lions are unbeaten at the Gabba, I, I think Collingwood's. Yeah, still the team to beat. Yeah, certainly a tough journey now, I would presume. I'm not too sure if you agree for Port Adelaide. Gabba first and, and potentially a swap around to an MCG prelim final if they don't get the job done in week one finals. Yeah, that's the trickiest ask, isn't it? If you finish fourth, at least you get Collingwood that first week. And, and if you lose it, you know, so be it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about them again. But, um, yeah, there, there's certainly a possibility now that, um, you yeah, Port could face the Magpies come that prelim final. So... Um, yeah, that's a daunting task in itself. But they'll, they'll take it one week at a time. Obviously, they're hoping to get Todd Marshall, Charlie Dixon, Trent McKenzie back into their lineup. That They've got one of the better midfield groups in the competition right now, which is incredibly exciting. Um, they, they move the ball really well with pace, uh, and they like to lock it in their front half. They're one of the, um, the best teams in the league for scoring from stoppages inside 50, and 
scoring from inside 50 clearances. So um, there are only issues in the back line, which I've harped on a little bit over the past month, but it's starting to come together a little bit. That They've had consecutive weeks now where they've, they've kept teams under 70 points. So it, it's starting to come together, but um, that's probably their weakness if I'm looking for a fault. Uh, we've covered Adelaide and Port Adelaide for most of the season. So just a word on the Crows to finish out the home and away season and where you see them on any the off-season and heading in towards next year. Yeah, it's a frustrating year. I, I think clearly there's been improvement for Adelaide, um, so they'll tick off on that. And, and you know, the rebuild under Matthew Nix has worked. It puts immense pressure on them heading into 2024. Like They absolutely must be playing finals, if not winning one. Um, they've shown across the year they can match it with the best teams, but their inaccuracy, as we saw on the weekend against the Eagles, is a constant problem. Um, their polish in close games isn't there right now, and, and they're still quite young, but um, there'll be no more excuses next year. I think they need to take that next step and, and certainly be a contender in finals. I obviously can't see them being you know, top two straight away or top four straight away, but you want to see them at least comfortably fifth, sixth, and, and try and do some damage come September. Especially with, you know, it'll be the final Walker, uh, final year for Taylor Walker, rather. So um, you want to try and capitalise on that. Rory Sloan as well. So um, what happens with Matt Crouch, we'll wait and see. That midfield starting to come together. But I think the young core has certainly showcased a, a ton of talent. And from what we've heard across the year, um, from what I was told at the start of the season, um, from a, a lot of senior members at the Crows, they're going to go pretty hard at the free agency market in the off-season. Mason Redwood was obviously their main target. It's not going to happen now, but they're pretty confident they'll get a big fish. Um, and I'm not sure whether this classifies as big fish, but I think Brandon Zerk Thatcher will likely be, yeah, the Crows' main target in the off season. Um, and then maybe by some form of a midfielder, Jack Graham's name was floated around a little bit. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think he's banging the door down to try and take a Matt Crouch's spot, so to say. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to pull off something special. I mean, they've got Dawson and Rankin over the last two years, and um, they're just building a really good culture at that footy club. So um, you never know when it comes to trade season. Um, every now and again, a, a big name just drops out of nowhere. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Adelaide manages to wrangle something special. Port Adelaide and a Richmond fantasy rep. So Connor Rosie, 138 points on Sunday. And it's been an outstanding season from Rosie to midfield. Yeah, magnificent way to cap it all off in terms of a, a fantasy year. Um, he, he's certainly proven to be one of the top forward options across the campaign. The, the harsh reality, unfortunately, of all of that is that um, he's very likely going to lose that DPP status. I mean, yeah. he, he's a, a key mid, a core midfielder now for Port Adelaide. He'll be up there in terms of their best and fairest. And, um, he and Butters will be stealing votes off each other come Brownlow night. Um, that being said, he, he's still, you know, so young. Like we, we've got a guy here who he's. He's just going to get better and better. Uh, he finishes the year or the regular season um, averaging 106. Like, this is a guy that, um, you know, he's just going to be a 110 guy, if not more. He's had some massive scores across the year. So, um, a remarkable campaign from Connor Rosie. He fires on all cylinders. He gets disposals. He gets goals. Um, he's electric through the middle. Fights for the footy. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just a key pillar of Port Adelaide now and for so many years we weren't sure about he and Butters' place in the side in terms of that mid-forward rotation but um, the changing of the guard has happened now. Wines and Boker out, Rosie's in there with Butters and um, it's showcased in his scores across the year. 119 points from Dan Houston. He is a little bit hit and miss across the season but in the end a strong year. Yeah, we flagged this across the campaign that um, he's, he's a risky play in Classic um, but 
yeah, he, he still has such a high ceiling. Um, and for those who would have brought him in on the grand final week, um, yeah, he certainly paid off with that 119. He, he's in the All-Australian discussion. He, he's found that home now, charging off half-back, pushing up to the forward line, um, having a crack at some goals from 50, 55 out. And um, he's, he's pretty deadly accurate when it comes to those, as we saw on Sunday. So, um, yeah, one to watch, I think, in the off-season, just to, depending on, you know, and where he ends up being priced at compared to others, considering we've had some absolutely big hitters in the back line and, and a couple of those guys will lose their DPP. So you'd expect Dawson and Dacos to, to drop away, um, maybe even a Sam Doherty, which which opens the door for someone like a Dan Houston to to be a little smoky kind of D2, D3 pick next year, um, a guy that's averaged 92. But again, considering the, the scores he can drop, you know, 50, 60 sometimes, it, it's going to be a tough ask to pay the price he'd probably be at. On to the next one here, Zach Butters, super strong season from Butters, 104 points from him uh, today. But, yeah, uh, across the season, uh, he's been excellent. Yeah, mental performance, and um, he won the ABC Sport Footballer of the Year award. So, um, historically, that kind of means he'll be up there in terms of the top three for the Brownlow. Um, he's probably my favourite to win it purely because... Every game he polls, he gets three. So he's either there or, or disappearing. So um, it, it's going to be a really interesting count come Brownlow night. But that just goes, you know, is a testament to Zach Butters of, you know, what he can deliver. Again, another guy who's in his low 20s, which only just kind of scraped the surface of what Zach Butters can be as an elite player in the AFL. So um, massive scores. Again, we'll probably lose his DPP status. The only issue and the reason why he kind of jumps high and low is um, injury. Like, he's just such a contested beast. He throws his body on the line, and every now and again, the knock that severely impacts his score, if not makes him miss weeks. So that, that's the only risk factor with Zach Butters is he's unrelenting in how he plays his football. But when he's fit and firing, um, yeah, he, he comfortably pushes 100, if not towards the 120 mark. So he's another one to watch heading into next year. But... Um, what a tough task it's going to be when you've got two pure midfielders and Rosie and Butters and um, trying to squeeze them into your classic side next year is going to be a bit of a nightmare. Jaden Short, 99 points on Sunday. It was a fast start from Short. And the first couple of quarters slowed down uh, in the second half. But if that is the future of what we're going to see uh, for the next couple of years, Short might be an option uh, heading in towards next year. Yeah, I really like him, to be honest, especially as yeah Richmond tries to find its feet with that midfield. And um, off half-back, as we've seen in the past. Yeah, plenty of marks, a lot of run and carry. Um, he almost gives me that Brett DeLidio vibe in the way that he plays sometimes. And um, Yeah, this year was unfortunate that it was plagued in the middle part by injury. Um, but when he was out there, yeah, consistently good scores to the point where when he came back on the you know run home to the grand final, um, he was underpriced in a way. He managed to finish with 390 scores that nearly got towards 100. So, um, yeah, he, he's another one that... Um, considering he had that injury and missed so many games, he's probably going to be a little bit underpriced next year. So um, averaging 92 for a guy that, that could finish up with 100, um, he'll be one that, yeah, will be on a lot of people's radars. Uh, let's do the round 24 fantasy wrap. So monster score on Friday night from Zach Merritt, 146 points. Uh, it was an excellent year, uh, 2023. Yeah, um, outstanding season just to start things off in terms of premium options. Zach, Zach Merritt's always been a very reliable kind of um, pure premium midfielder. And historically, he always kind of gets around that 110 mark by the end of the year, even though at times he, he doesn't feel like he's 
overly damaging. He, he manages to just consistently pull out decent scores, and he, he's done that again this campaign. The, the Collingwood game was a funny one in that, you know, obviously Essendon got completely smashed, and he was still around the mark for most of the contest. Um, around half time, it looked like he was going to get a respectable score, and then absolutely blazed home for that 146, which we, we've seen across the year that he can have a massive ceiling when he really turns his game on. So, um, yeah, he's just a reliable premium option. We, we talk about guys that um, are worth paying that you know 900k mark um, because they can be captaincy options. I, I think Merritt's certainly yeah one of the more um, reliable players, and that's why I always like picking him when it comes to AFL fantasy because. Um, yeah, sometimes set and forget is the way to go when it comes to these things. So Merritt will be um, yeah hard to reach again next year uh, in terms of his value, but um, he's one you can just lock into your team and then not have to really touch again for the year. 134 points from Andrew Brayshaw, a strong season again from him in the midfield. Yeah, um, I think the concern, as we've touched on a few times heading into the year, was you know, the, the rise of Caleb Sarong and how does that impact Andrew Brayshaw? And it didn't in the end. Both of them managed to flourish together. Brayshaw still able, was able to have some good scores. Uh, if anything, he didn't really cop the tag as often as we thought. And, and that was a large concern going into the Hawthorne game. And, and McGuinness ended up going to Luke Ryan for, for periods of the game. So, and then I think flipped to Sarong. So it actually helped Brayshaw in the long run to, to get that mega score considering a lot of people would have transferred him out. So, um, yeah, another great year for Andrew Brayshaw. He finishes 110. Uh, again, that's a really tricky price point, um, considering there's going to be a lot of good players around that. So, um, I mean, looking to next year, depending on how Fremantle look in the preseason, considering they've underperformed, um, I probably wouldn't start with him, considering the guys that are going to be around him. I mean, you're, you're talking about your Zach Merritts, your Tom Greens, your Tim Tarantos, your Rory Lairds. Um, you know, Brayshaw is still a a really good pod. Um, it just will depend on early fixtures and yeah, how Fremantle are looking. The next one here, 146 from Sam Flanders. This has to be one of the better late season value picks I've seen in a while. Amazing, yeah. Uh, for those who got on, um, yeah, he's had a ridiculous final couple of months um, ever since the coaching change to Stephen King, and yep. and that's the big question that hangs over him now is is does that hang around when Damien Hardwick comes in? You know, what's Dimmer's midfield going to look like? Sam Flanders doesn't have to always be in the guts purely because of his um, aerobic work rate. You know, he gets all around the ground, and that's why he's so impactful. But what's his role going to look like? And a lot of the Suns guys are, are going to be like that. You know, took Miller, Noah Anderson. We, we just want to see what the, the matchups are going to be and, and what that starting midfield looks like. But, yeah, Sam Flanders is so young. We, we've seen some incredible glimpses of, of what the superstar could be. Um, the other frustrating part is, um, does he lose that DPP status? Um, you know, he only really started to, to get more midfield time in the back half of the year. And again, CBA numbers weren't massive, but um, he's floated through there enough, that, it, especially at stoppages, that it could hurt him. So if he holds on to it, um, yeah, there's, there's a case to argue that he's the best forward in the game because a lot of them are going to lose DPP. You'd be looking at, you know, Bailey Smith and Jack McRae as other options. Yeah. I think Flanders could be the best one, uh, which is, yeah, incredible. So fingers crossed that he does manage to hold on to it. 132 points from Rowan Marshall. It has been an outstanding season for Marshall and obviously solo ruck all the way through, which has been a bonus. 
Yeah, there was concerns heading into the year that Tom Campbell may get a run, and it never eventuated um, to the point where Ryan Marshall's now in all Australian discussions alongside Tim English. So wouldn't be surprised if both of them made it and, and you know, English starts and Marshall's on the bench, whatever. But um, he certainly deserves to be in the 40 squad and, and hopefully in that final team, If you know, if, even if it's only on the bench, he deserves to be there because, yeah, he's been mega. And, um, again, you know, this weekend's a good example of it, it's not just against – um, I guess teams that concede a lot of hitouts. You know, Brisbane have Oscar McInerney, and and he still managed to get around the ground and expose him in terms of his impact. So, this is a, a, the new age ruckman Tim English and Rowan Marshall. They're um, they're almost an extra midfielder who can not only win hitouts, but they find their own possession. They hit the scoreboard, and Marshall has done that consistently across the year. And um, yeah, the final kind of month or two months of footy. Um, we didn't. We saw one score under 100, which was a 99, and otherwise it was about 110 plus every week. So, um, yeah, ridiculous form uh, to the point where I'm not even worried next year. Uh, I think Ron Marshall is now a guy. Um, I mean, Marshall in English can even be the new Gorn Grundy in the fact that they're just so um, reliable and their positions just aren't in jeopardy in their team. Next one here, wrap up in three. So 127 from Tom Liberatore. Awesome through that midfield. Marcus Bontempelli, 125 points from him. And it was an outstanding season. Pretty much a pure midfield role. And Tom Stewart, solid, finished his season with 118 points. It's a funny one with Liberatore. Like, I'd probably argue that Errol Gordon's the most improved player in the competition, but Liberatore at age 31 has just found a, a totally different level, which I don't think any of us expected. He, he was always a, a midfield bull that was a high-tackling machine, but they don't win without him these days, the Western Bulldogs, um, and it's remarkable considering his age. Like It's such a risk factor next year. You've got a guy who's averaging 103, so he's going to be an expensive option, um, but He's been so good. Like, um, do you get on a guy that's at the back end of his career? Was it a one-year wonder? We'll have to you know, eye off the preseason a little bit when it comes to liver, but Bailey Smith maybe out the door um, could certainly help him in terms of his stability in that midfield role. And Marcus Bontepelli, yeah, um, for those who did take the gamble at the start of the year, he was underpriced. Like We were waiting and waiting for a season where you know, Bont could have his Patrick Cripps year of last year where these are two stars of the game who've been marred by injury and we've never really seen them get a clean run. Cripps gets it last year and dominates and Marcus Bontepelli did it this year. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't eventuate to the Dogs making finals, but 107, the best midfielder in the game. Um, yeah, fires on all cylinders in terms of scoring and, and winning games for the Western Bulldogs. Bontempelli will be in Brownlow contention as well, which is massive. Um, just from a fantasy perspective, it's it's just going to be a little hard to justify the price tag. I mean, yeah. a guy that's averaging 117, you kind of want some mega scores. And I think Bontempelli, whilst he's had a couple of 140-pluses, um, he does have a tendency to drop a 90. Like, he, he's not that prime Tom Mitchell that, that used to go 100 every week. So um, for the price he's going to be next year and, and the guys that are around him, you know, your Clayton Olivers, um, your Jordan Dawsons, I, I think – he may not be the um, the set-and-forget M1 that a lot of us tend to do. You know, you, you love to pick your, your first p- player in every position is usually the highest-scoring one and the highest-priced one, and you work with that. But I think the midfield has some flexibility there. I don't think Bont is essential to start next year. I'll wrap up these two plays in one go here. So Keller Mills, 155 points, was seeing his role fluctuate throughout the season into the midfield today uh, and just racked it up quite easily. And Errol Gordon, wow, what a fantastic season, 142 points to finish. 
I think the positive with Mills is that even though he hasn't scored well um, since coming coming back from his injury, it's very clear that Jong Long Mile does want him in the midfield. He's had heavy minutes um, that have consistently gone up. The role has always been there. It's just whether or not you know he, he struggled to get back to his best after the long layoff. I'm not sure. But what it does mean is he's probably underpriced. So we'll just obviously wait till preseason to see how he looks. But at, at 84, like that's a gift for a guy that's averaged 100 in the past. So and we saw that potential this weekend with 155 on Melbourne. So um, considering there's so many young mids in the Swan side, uh, he still feels like a favourite, of course. And that's certainly confidence building um, for a guy that yeah has been a little bit hit and miss. So. He's one that's definitely on my radar and will probably be in my first draft, depending on you know how preseason goes. Errol Goulden, yeah, touched on him before. Easily the most improved player. Um, should be the Swans' best and fairest winner, considering how dominant he's been. We saw it in the preseason. He had that one mega score, and everyone was wondering, you know, was it going to be a, a constant thing across the year? Started a little bit flat, mostly 90s, and then just exploded come the middle of the year um, and never really looked back. Like He was always a, a captaincy option in terms of his high ceiling. Um, runs all the way around the ground, so doesn't need high CBA numbers. He, he finds a way to always kind of be around the half-forward mark and, and give them that crisp, clean inside 50 entry. Like His accuracy hitting forward targets is ridiculous and a, and a large reason as to why Sydney is playing finals right now. Like They they don't have the midfield dominance they should, and Errol Goulden's uh, one way of counteracting that with their ball movement. So he's a star. Um yeah, they'll absolutely love him. It's just a matter of that role. You know, does he stay on the wing? I think he should, considering it's, it's worked so well. So I wouldn't be rushing him into the midfield, and it's not going to hurt his scoring anyway. Like, he just finds a way to get around the ground, and especially at stoppages. So um, 112, does he lose his DPP? Maybe not. I mean, he wasn't purely in the midfield. He was certainly on the wings and was hitting the scoreboard. It's going to be a really tricky one. I haven't seen the heat maps um, so off the top of my head, I'd probably say he loses it, but fingers crossed he doesn't because, um, yeah, what an what kind of option he's going to be if he, if he keeps that forward status. Well, Aaron, uh, the home and away season is done. Where can listeners find you throughout the finals and in the off-season? Uh, so they can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. Um, we've obviously yeah, got Port Adelaide in the final, so um, we'll get a home game at some point. Uh, we'll wait and see how the... the the structure of the final series plays out and, and where I'll find myself across the next couple of weeks. But uh, in the meantime, you know, sport never stops. So we'll have the AFLW season starting next weekend. We'll be calling the, the showdown here in Adelaide. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple more games across the AFLW season heading into the finals. We've got Sandful. And then summer begins. Uh, we'll have the 36ers with the NBL here uh, and then uh, the WBBL as well with the Adelaide Strikers. So we never really stop uh, at Grandstand. But, uh um, yeah, it'd be nice to have um, this finals buy off after the longest season ever, 24 rounds, just a, a chance to put the feet up before we go again uh, in what's going to be a pretty exciting final series. You can catch me at AFR Ratings Feed on Twitter, afrratings.com.au uh, for plenty of information. Uh, we've got trade period coming up as well and plenty of more fantasy information throughout the off-season and into pre-season there. Uh, you can find AFR Ratings and associated Twitter accounts. Well, Aaron, very much appreciated for joining the podcast this year and enjoy your off-season. Cheers, Pete.